Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West here, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Law Podcast is brought to us by our dear friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. The United States CCA helps responsible Americans like you prepare for what happens before, during, and after an active act of lawful self-defense. USCCA members get life-saving education, expert training, plus self-defense liability insurance. Plus, a USCCA membership is always risk-free with their 100% money-back bulletproof guarantee membership is truly an investment worth exploring click learn more below right now to activate your u.s concealed carry association membership click learn more right now and also one of the benefits of being a member you get their monthly concealed carry magazine and as a reminder the united states concealed carry association is not an insurance company a policy has been issued to the uscca by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. In the summer of 1996, Nick Searcy produced, directed, and acted in his first independent feature, Carolina Low. Searcy's other film credits include the blockbusters, Nell, 1994, The Fugitive, 93, Castaway in 2000, Head of State in 2003. And if you have not seen Head of State, you need to see it. He and Chris Rock will have you laughing forever. Runaway Jury, 2003, The Ugly Truth, 2009. He broke onto the scene as the villain Frank Bennett in Universal's Fried Green Tomatoes. Seriously, is a veteran of several television series. He had a recurring role on ABC's Thunder Alley, 1994, was a series regular on CBS's American Gothic, UPN's Seven Days, and ABC's Rodney and has guest starred on Boston Legal, CSI Crime Scene Investigation, and The West Wing, among others. He has also starred in several movies of the week, including The Best of Families, Marriage, Pride, and Madness, Stolen Innocence, all for CBS. Searcy was a series regular on HBO's From the Earth to the Moon. Searcy's theater credits include several off-Broadway plays and regional stock productions of Guys and Dolls, Cabaret, and Jesus Christ Superstar. He is the driving force behind Gosnell, The Trial of America's Biggest Serial Killer, which he also directed, and Capital Punishment, the movie capturing what happened on January 6th and its aftermath. And without a doubt, I'm sure you all remember him in that incredible series, Justified, which I was glued to. Searcy is married to the actress Leslie Riley, and they have two children, Chloe and Omar, Nick Searcy, Thank you so much, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. 
Thank you, Alan. That was a that was a very impressive biography. I was wondering who's he talking about. about well, well, I just looked it up on eBay and figured I could just you know shove it in under your name. No, get out of town. You know, just right. want to thank you for all that you have done. You've been an incredible voice as an outspoken conservative and a forthright and resolute person in a industry that really does not welcome a lot of conservatism and conservative thought. And with that being said, let's start off by talking about what happened at the Academy Awards. I mean, most people are not watching the Academy Awards now, but we yeah, woke I up. Did. Yeah, me, me either. But we woke up Monday to hear two words that we had never heard before in the Academy Awards, and that was the American dream with the young man that won the Best Supporting Actor. Do you think things may be changing a little bit in Hollywood? Is it still the same vile, repulsive place that we have come to know? No, I don't think it's changing. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is that struck me, too, when he said that. And what occurred to me is that so many times in my life, the people that I've met that really understand the American dream aren't didn't grow up here. That's right. You know, they came here from another country that was... That they know what real oppression is, and they know what uh, what communism, socialism does, and so for him to say that, I always thought, yeah, that's that's been my experience. It, it takes a person who who came to this country by choice to really appreciate it. Yeah, it was incredible for him to stand up there, and and many of us remember him as a little kid in the Goonies and and also Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, but he kind of disappeared, went off the radar screen. But for him to tell that story about coming here on a boat and, and living in a refugee camp, and now he's standing on the movie industry's biggest stage whatsoever, that is the American dream that says that no matter where you come from, no matter where you are born, this is how you can rise and have whatever level of success, as opposed to this equity and equality of outcomes uh, mess that you see going on. And I would think, Nick, looking at the you know industry, the movie production industry, it's based on meritocracy. You know, you know, if you make a film, either it makes money or it doesn't make money. It's not about all films are being equal and that we're going to direct the outcomes thereof. Well, you know, that's funny. I talk about it a lot that that's not how the Hollywood model works anymore. It used mm -hmm. to be that, you know, if, if people didn't watch your show or people didn't go buy a ticket to your movie, that you were penalized for that. But now with the streaming services and everything, mm -hmm. that's how movies are released. And so that stuff gets sort of spread out over everything else. So what's happening is it's kind of what I talk about in, in uh, the Death of Hollywood series is that uh, people in Hollywood aren't really making movies to, for the audience to enjoy anymore. They're basically making movies to impress each other so <laughs> that they can then get their next job and their next movie made that has the correct politics that everybody in Hollywood can celebrate. Let's talk about that because you're on Fox Nation speaking about the death of Hollywood. You know, has this been something, you know, I think that the left has really sought to undermine all of the aspects of our culture, being it academia, uh, the movie industry, entertainment industry, uh, even now into the religious aspect of our country for the last 50, 60, maybe 70 years. When had, I mean, you've been out there for quite some time. When did we see that shift from... I remember some of the older actors who served in uniform and some of the movies that were made. And now look at where we are today, where the left really had a hard time embracing Top Gun Maverick, which was a highly successful movie. Right. 
Yeah, I think it. it's an interesting, I think it changed with Obama because I think really what happened at that point was that the rebel left in Hollywood that used to make movies like Easy Rider and Five Easy Pieces and things that were kind of uh, in opposition to the government or challenging to the government, at that point they became pro-government. Yeah. They're basically, everything in Hollywood now is obey the regime, stop trying to question authority. Everything that's the opposite of what I grew up with and the opposite of why I was attracted to the movies. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it was always this is a real way to, you know, speak truth to power in a way, but with the narrative storytelling, which is the most powerful way to convey an idea. And now narrative storytelling in, in Hollywood is all pro-government. Pro-totalitarianism. You just struck an incredible point because you're right. Once upon a time, it was all about rising up against demand, D.A. Right. man. But right. now it has become 1984. It's become yeah. Orwellian where you're right. You have to obey this thing called government. And, you know, I think a lot of people are confused about that. You, you know, I look at the, the Hunger Games series where yeah. you had all the cool elite people living in the capital but everybody else, they were out in the districts working to support people. And, of course, you had no rights out into the districts. Do you think that, you know, more Americans are waking up and seeing the subliminal messaging that Hollywood is trying to put out? I definitely think so. I mean, I, I think so many people have uh, turned it off, you know, just sort of go, that's not for me. And they're looking for other ways. And thankfully, there are other um, outlets springing up like the Daily Wire, like like some other places where you can tell stories that are not part of the Hollywood mainstream. But I think even in Hollywood, there's 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 some awakening happening. I mean, you had Woody Harrelson and Tim Robbins both coming out and going, hey, it's it's time to end that vaccine mandate nonsense, yeah. you know. And I mean, yeah, it took them three years and, you know, a lot of people's careers were derailed and destroyed because of that vaccine tyranny. But at least they're starting to come around. You got to give them credit for that. Yeah, you do. I mean, as opposed to Governor Whitmer in Michigan, who now is trying to politically position herself saying, oh, you know what I did, screwing everybody over for the past few years, I, I probably went too far. Um, once upon a time, I remember going out and speaking to the Friends of Abe out there yeah. in, in Hollywood. Do they still exist or, or, or what? Let us know about it. Because this was a conservative group of actors, directors, producers, screenwriters, and everything. It was a blast. Yeah, it, it doesn't exist anymore, and mm. it's kind of sad. There's some, there's some groups that are springing up that are kind of trying to be what uh, Friends of Abe used to be, but it's not on the scale that it was at that time. Um, I think Gary Sinise, when he um, kind of took time off to go do his uh, his his work for the troops that the FOA kind of it faded away yeah with that. well hopefully something will kind of you know replace it and because so many of those young people coming out there I mean they need to wrap their arms around them and and get them to understand you can have a support system out there you just don't have to follow it and I think that's one of the good things I don't know you, you follow the Babylon Bee I'm sure uh, yeah. what they are doing is 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 you know really showing that entertainment and conservatism it can go together with satire as well let's talk about Gosnell because you know, in the black community, we have really failed to understand the detrimental 
effects of the theories of Margaret Sanger. You know, how difficult was it for you to put together that movie that, as it says, you know, the trial of America's biggest serial killer? What were some of the obstacles? What were the, the tidal waves that were against you in getting that movie out there? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I remember when we were putting the, uh, they, they, I signed on to direct it and we were working on the script and I was talking to my agent at that time about the movie and he said, why do you want to do this? And I go, well, it, you know, I want to tell the story. I think it's an important story. And he's like, you'll never get funding for it. And I, I said, it's already funded. We crowdfunded it. <laughs> and he said, oh, it's already funded? Well, have you thought about this actress? Have you thought about that actress? Yeah. It's like, once they find out that you've got the money, and that you're willing to pay people, they'll do it. And so even even at the casting director level, you know, uh, casting directors that were friends of mine that were, uh, you know, I would consider them very far left. When they read the script, they said, okay, this is a, a pretty fair look at what this man did. You know, it's not necessarily anti-abortion in this in the sense that, you know, you're lying about something to prove a point. Mm -hmm. You're telling a true story. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, people were ready to sign on, but there was, when it comes to like putting actors and actresses in the movie, that's when you get, that's when you get the real resistance. They were afraid to stand behind that, even though they might've read the script and thought it was a fair look at it. They don't want to be seen as being on that side of the issue because to them, that would mean the death of their career. Yeah. So the, that was, you know, finding people brave enough to do that movie was was hard. It was difficult. You know, you talked about the funding issue. Has that gotten better for conservative or faith-based type of movies? I mean, because I think that's the real thing that's lacking on our side, because the other side, I mean, they just have a, a wealth of resources and plethora of resources. But are we getting better? You know, we can't go peer-to-peer -peer yet, I don't think, but are we improving our status as far as being able to resource these different types of projects? Well, there's a few outlets springing up. It is better, but we still, on the conservative side, we our, our investors don't uh, trust the movie business, and for good reason. A lot of them have been burned. I mean, a lot of what happens uh, has happened in the past few years is that you get people that are talked into investing in a conservative movie, and then the distribution is not so successful because Hollywood doesn't want this to be successful. So those people lose their money, and then they go, okay, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. And so that's happening over and over. More and more as as movies like The Jesus Revolution, mm -hmm. you know, as, as these movies become more successful, I think we'll see an increasing level of uh, investor interest in that. But it is difficult right now. And it's it's easier for like a strictly faith-based movie to get made right now than it is for a movie that say is not necessarily faith-based, but it's just not liberal. Yeah. Like it, if you tried to do like just a conservative political thriller right now, that would be more difficult to do than to do uh, a straight up faith-based picture. Yeah. Now how about the streaming services? Do we see conservative uh, entertainment moving onto some of these streaming uh, platforms or, or once again, there's a roadblock that is, or an obstacle up for those to be proliferated there? 
Yeah, there's a roadblock up. I mean, it's very hard to get something on Netflix that's conservative, for sure. Uh, Amazon may be a little easier, but not much. I mean, they definitely, like, for example, I've made uh, two documentaries and and, uh, Capital Punishment being about January 6th. One before that was about uh, the Constitution and the Bible and the relationship, and that was called uh, God shed his grace on me. Both of those movies have been rejected. Uh, and, you know, they're available on Amazon, but only, uh, you know, pay-per-view and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it's still more difficult. Let's talk about Capital Punishment and the, the January 6th documentary that you just did, which is a hot topic now, thanks to the video footage that was released uh, to Tucker Carlson. Um, what drove you to, to really want to do that? Because, at the time, I'm sure once again, I mean, there there are many pushbacks on you to, to have something like that done. Oh, you bet. Um, I decided to do it because I was there that day. Mm-hmm. I, I went there and, and I, what I saw didn't match up anything with what the media was telling me. And so I kind of it started out as just like well, this doesn't make sense. And my friend and I that went there, we had shot some footage on that day, uh, not with the intention of making a film, just sort of like tourists. And so we started talking to people about it. And, and uh, you know, a, a group said, would you like to make a film about that? And then we started talking to people that were being persecuted by the government and people who were having their houses raided by the FBI. And these are people who've never been arrested for anything before, you know, good good Christian people with, yeah. with families and, you know, it's like they're treating them like serial killers and, 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 you know, like dangerous terrorists and stuff. And it, it just, the more we started to talk to people, the kind of, uh, the more outrageous it seemed to me. And so that we released capital punishment, uh, over a year ago, like, uh, November of 21. Yeah. And, we called a lot of the things that Tucker Carlson has finally started talking about last week. And we're in the middle right now of making a sequel to Capital Punishment because a lot of the people that we profiled in our uh, in our first movie are now going to prison. Yeah. And they're basically being railroaded by the judicial system in the District of Columbia, which is so corrupt. And these people don't have a chance. And so... I'm I'm just trying to chronicle this. You know, I, I don't have any hope that I'm really going to convert a lot of people, but I mean, I hope they 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 watch the film because I can't believe that anybody of any political stripe would support this kind of unfairness and and this kind of judicial warfare against these people. But um, I'm just trying to chronicle it because I think it yeah. needs to be. It's it's a part of history that needs to be preserved. Well, it has to be because it's judicial malfeasance and it's a violation of, you know, the basic of constitutional rights. I mean, just due process or the withholding of exculpatory evidence. And so, you know, what's amazing to me, Nick, is that, you know, you're right. You're you're seeing people get thrown into prison, uh, felony offenses. They've never even walked on grass before. Right. But yet you've got right. Antifa and what we just saw happen in my birth town of Atlanta, Georgia. I haven't seen a single Antifa leader you know, be brought up on any type of charges. And, of course, the left is out there raising all kinds of money to, to make bail for them or the Jane's Revenge group that is going out there and, you know, attacking pro-life advocacy centers and pregnancy centers, you know, 
It's so important. That's why I'm so humbled that you would take the time out of your schedule to be here with us. But we need people like you that can put together these documentaries and get out there and challenge the other side to say, why is it that, you know, people can burn down government buildings and people mm-hmm. can burn down a church across the street from the White House or people can burn down and attack a, a law enforcement training facility and, and you say nothing. You just wash your hands of it. Right. And, and, and in, the, in the movie that we're making now, I mean, just the lies that are being told about these people in court. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked to one defendant who said that he, he actually took a plea deal because what they do to these people is they yeah. pile up these charges and they can't fight it. They don't have the money. And then they just take them. They just say, if you just take this one thing, you'll only do six or 12 months. And he said that the, the, the judge showed a videotape of him helping an officer up. Uh, and, and the officer was saying, thank you, thank you, as he lifted him up off the ground. But when they played the video, they didn't show the sound. They didn't play the sound. So the judge was saying, look at you attacking this officer. <laughs> when in fact, he was, he was yeah. helping the officer and the officer was saying, thank you. But they just lie. And they railroad these people and they do it for a political reason. And it's really disturbing and sick. And it it, it makes you wonder for the future of the country. If yeah, they are allowed does. to continue to do this, this is really, really what you would see it, in a totalitarian society. Yeah. I mean, complete totalitarianism, because if you don't agree with their ideological agenda, this is what they will end up doing with you. They will use lawfare to, to come at you. And D.C., this has become a Bastille uh, a gulag up there and, and people are lives are being ruined. So in our final closing minutes, what's next for Nick Searcy? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to hopefully get this documentary done. We're trying to get it out by July the 4th. I'm also got another documentary that I'm producing, which I'm excited about with Reggie Miller, the, the basketball, basketball Reggie Miller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Uh, we're, we're, um, I'm, I'm a producer, uh, on a film about, or a documentary series about the 1972 men's Olympic basketball team mm. that got, uh, railroaded. By the Russians. <laughs> yeah. I remember and, that. <laughs> yeah. And that 1972 team, uh, 11 of those 12 players are still alive and none of, they won't accept the silver medal to this day. Yeah. The silver medals are still in a vault somewhere in, in Europe. So so I'm excited about that. And I'm also hopefully directing a feature towards the end of this year that I've co-wrote with a friend. That's a, it's kind of a big action border movie, kind of a, it's a Rambo movie without Stallone. That's really what it is. <laughs> well, he's kind of getting up there. I mean, you know, my wife has fallen in love with this Tulsa King series that he's doing right now, but uh, he's not the same, you know, Rambo that I remember growing up. No. But, yeah, but no, he's moving a little slower. these Yeah, days. he's moving a tad slower. We all are. <laughs> yeah, you de- you get definitely right about that. Where can people follow you and all the work that you are doing and uh, your recent documentary that came out about J6? And then also, uh, when can we expect the, the follow-on, the sequel to that? Well, you can find me at uh, Yes Nick Searcy on Twitter. You can find uh, Capital Punishment is, is out on my Locals page. If you go to nicksearcy.locals.com, you can, you can watch the movie there. And... There's a film that just came out in January with Nicolas Cage called The Old Way mm-hmm. that I'm in. That's on, uh, I believe it's on Amazon or Netflix now, one of the two. And you're also on Fox Nation right now talking about the death of Hollywood, correct? 
Right. Yeah. That that documentary came out, I think, a week ago. Wonderful. Well, again, Nick, seriously, I cannot tell you enough. Thank you. And as a person that served 22 years in the United States military, you're the reason why I took the oath uh, to protect you so that you can go out there and do the things that you are doing and make sure that you get the truth out about what's happening in our country. So God bless you, sir. God bless you, Alan. It's, it's an honor to be here with you. Thank All you. All the best. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for joining us on this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And special thanks to Nick Searcy for taking time out of his busy schedule to be with us. And we got to start supporting those films that conservatives are putting out there because if we don't, then they won't be able to make them. So please, if you like this podcast, hit the like button and share it with others. And until next time, steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down